This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. If you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in America, just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected with an Agent. If you purchase a home with the shop, you'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Verbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to theshorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by EXP or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. Here we are. We did it. Uh, It has happened. It's going to happen. It's happening right now. uh, The short-term rental management show. Short-term rental management with Luke. uh, The show that is all about managing... Uh, being a property manager, quite frankly, uh, something that I think people uh, forget about, the fact that they're just a property manager. You're managing a property, you put a property on the internet, you rent it out, you do it again. But today, I have uh, the greatest of all time. I've got the goat. I've got uh, uh, the the person that uh, really kind of put this whole thing on the map, at least as far as I know, um, and that that is my lovely wife, Avery. Say hi, Avery. I think that's a little ridiculous, but hi. Uh, it's not ridiculous. It's really not, um, you know, and th- today it's a whole different world. There's a million people on YouTube and there's a million uh, influencers. Uh, when we first started, influencers didn't even exist. Well, they didn't have a name anyway. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, we started buying houses and it worked. And, uh, and, and again, today we still, we, we own the longest running, uh, Airbnb in the Smokies. And if they take that one away from us, we will still own the longest running Airbnb in the Smokies because <laughs> we've got the, the old, the two oldest, uh, to my knowledge, of course, Verbo have been around a lot, much longer than we have, but, uh, but you've done it all. You've done it all. So where do we begin? Let's start by, you know, like, uh, talk about, uh, uh, like nobody's ever heard of you. Okay. We can't assume that anybody knows who you are. So tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, you know, where you come from and how this whole thing happened and what, where are you at today? Oh man, that's a really long story. So, uh, I guess it started, uh, by me graduating college at the absolute worst time in the history of the universe to graduate college, which was May of 2009, had a super soft major at University of Texas, corporate communication. Um, I wanted to major in business because UT had the, well, I think it was in the top five business school at the time, but my extra special uh, athlete advisor, I was a soccer player. So we had special athletic department um, academic advisors who would tell us what to do. And she said, no, 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 you don't need that. You just major in communication. It's easier and you can get all the same jobs, which looking back was a mistake because they told me that because they want all the athletes to major in easy things so that they can keep their GPAs up so that they will still be allowed to compete in their sport. So anyway, I did that without asking any questions. Um, it's not her fault though, that, uh, the bottom fell out of the economy. Anyway, uh, couldn't get a job and 
So I, I'd been playing music for a, a while in a band touring. And so I said, well, I'll just keep doing this for a while. Bartended for the next several years. Um, ended up in New York City following a gig that I had and uh, bartending there. Met Luke. And we, the real estate journey kind of started then because Luke and I moved to Nashville from New York in search of a more affordable way of life. It was back when Nashville was affordable. And our real estate agent at the time we were buying a house was really trying to get us to buy in East Nashville, which was really fast appreciating. Again, at the time, we had no idea 2021 was going to happen. And uh, we said, no, 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 we're moving from Brooklyn to Tennessee. We want to buy something out in the country. We're sick of neighbors. First floor, Steve, second floor, Steve, not letting us wear our boots <laughs> in the house, um, smoking downstairs. So <laughs> we said no more neighbors, no offense to fir first floor and second floor, Steve. Um, but we were tired of that. So we bought a house out in the country. You hadn't thought about them in a while, have you? Uh, uh, actually, I did check in on second floor Steve occasionally. Uh, <laughs> he owns keylime.com and has a the fantastic keylime pie company. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but don't wear your boots at nighttime in the apartment above him. Well, uh, I can understand that. We were partying yeah. pretty hard. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, and I, well, hold on. We should mention that we are married. Uh, we can't assume that anybody knows that, we, you know. Uh, somewhere in there we met, which by the way, Avery was today. My it math is, is right. 11 years ago today. Is that 11? 11? Uh, no, 10. No, 10? wait, 11. No, yeah. No, yeah. No, no, 11. No. Yeah. It's 11, 11 no. years, 11 years ago today we met. Um, and so somewhere in that story that happened, <laughs> yeah, he leaned up on me at a faster pussycat show and I haven't been able to get away from him since. Yeah. A rock and roll concert for those of you that don't know. <laughs> and, uh, I don't remember much of that, uh, but we met again later and, <laughs> and uh, it was meant to be, you know, sometimes uh, much like the purchase of a property. Sometimes it just, even when you don't think it's going to happen, it ends up, ends up happening. But uh, yeah, certainly glad that it did. So anyway, um, uh, keep anyway, going with this life changing uh, we bought, story. We bought a house out in the country and then we had a little bit of money left and we said, man, maybe there's something to buying that house in the fast appreciating area of Nashville. Maybe we should buy that. And then I was a big Dave Ramsey head at the time, not anymore, obviously. And I thought, well, if we buy one of these and then we rent it out, and we're not having to pay for it out of pocket every month. And maybe by the time our future kids go to college, then we can just sell it and the appreciation will pay for their college and we won't have to pay for it out of our own pockets. And we'll be these geniuses and nobody's ever thought of this before. Uh, so we did end up buying a house in that neighborhood for all the wrong reasons. But luckily, it did end up being a really great cash flowing long term rental. Uh, cash flowed $1,000 over the mortgage every month, which was 800, out, it was 800, but who's counting? Oh, well, when you uh, work out what I was making at my job after my corporate job, which I thought was my dream job, dream job working in the music industry in Nashville, um, I it was making the same amount that I was making going to work, busting my ass every day. So we thought, well, we need more of these. We just doubled my income with one house and it's making money while we're sleeping. So we were like, well, we need we need to make a business out of this. So then we started educating ourselves and listening to all the bigger pockets episodes and reading books. We didn't even know it was called real estate investing when we bought our first one. And so then we did all the things and we saved up a little more money and we said, okay, well, 
we've just got this little bit of money. What can we buy that's going to make us the most amount of money, the fastest, so that we can buy more of these faster? And we landed on short-term rentals. Didn't want to do it in Nashville because Nashville is pretty anti-short-term rental and we could not afford to buy something and then be told we can't use it anymore. So we'd just been on vacation to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, and which is about four hours east of Nashville. And we stayed in a cabin. Everybody else was staying in cabins. And so we thought, well, somebody owns these cabins. Why can't that be us? Again, we bought our first one with, there were no, again, guys, there was like, there were no courses. There were no YouTube channels. There was nothing back then about how to do this. So we it just really kind of figured ago. it out. It wasn't, wasn't yeah. That, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it really wasn't. 2015, 2016. And um, so anyway, we figured out how to do it. Scaled one to five over the course of about 18 months. Uh, five and a half years later, six years later, we've got 250 doors uh, because that five of our first six investments were short-term rentals. And we've always just used all the cash flow from all of our investments to buy more investments. We've never spent real estate investment money on anything but buying more real estate. And uh, here we are. Okay. There's, you gloss over a whole lot of stuff there. You don't just go <laughs> overnight with from zero to 200 and something doors and... Um, uh, but one thing I want to touch on is uh, that house that basically made as much as you were making at your day job. This is a long-term rental. And I, again, I was there for all this, right? So it's a, it's a weird perspective here for me to ask you questions that I already know the answers to. But um, that that was, it was a, a bit of a unicorn. Uh, was it repeatable at the time? Maybe once or twice in a tiny little pocket of time on that long-term. But it wasn't very long. I mean, we're talking a short period of months where that house went from uh we bought it for 120 grand and the next thing you know the one across the street selling for 180 and then 200 and then 220 and then 250 and then 300 i mean it was like you blink your eye um and the economy it was it wasn't i don't think it was so much the nationwide economy as it was just nashville in general at the time was just absolutely on fire uh people moving in from california and uh and new york and these expensive uh, high tax areas uh, because there's no income tax and the property tax is extremely low. And in Nashville was booming. It was a popular cultural hub. Uh, you go to the grocery store and there's some country music star, you know? So um, it was right place, right time. Um, and, and uh, I, I guess my, my thing on that is that you're just good at this. Um, you were, uh, whether you want to admit it to yourself or not born to do this. Uh, and, and ever since that very first house, which, quite frankly, we could not afford to buy um, at the time. Uh, no, we really could not. We, we didn't have the money, we, but we made it work. Um, we, You just have, in my eyes, as a guy that's deep into this um, and, and has done my, I've done my 10, 20,000 hours, um, you have a God-given talent um, for real estate. You just, you do. And um, anybody else that was given the same opportunities as you, it wouldn't have happened the same way. And I, and I, again, I don't want to sound like some, like I'm pimping my marriage on the internet here. Like I'm trying to, uh, you know, well, I mean, it pro if wife. it was presented, if it was presented to me again, I don't know that it would be repeatable. Meaning what? Uh, well, I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of right place, right time also. That particular home or the, just the journey in general? The journey in general. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there was a lot of luck involved. Um, but uh, you were, uh, and could it re be repeatable today? 
I don't know. That's something I think about a lot. Like if somebody new coming into this, here's our story and tries to repeat it, could they do that? Probably not. But I think it has more to do with willpower and, and balls than anything because uh, even back then, um, which we were coming out of the, you know, the, the biggest crash in real estate and maybe ever and that kind of thing. So, um, but uh, it was not easy to find deals. I mean, how many houses did we look at and offer on and, and get and get under contract, fall out of contract before we got that very first long-term rental? Um, so if people say you can't find deals now, I can't find deals now. They were saying the exact same thing when we first started. This would have been 2013 or something. Uh, yeah, they were. And the way we found that first deal, again, is completely repeatable because we we had set ourselves a budget and everything in our budget needed a lot of cash out of pocket work because we that it was just everything was junky in that price range and then all it took it was uh the seller of our house their daughter of the house we bought their daughter had just gotten her real estate license and they had her list it and she listed it way too low and she only put one picture on the mls and i've talked about this recently on several podcasts about uh deal opportunities on mls deal opportunities from properties that have crappy pictures or no pictures there there might not have even been a picture on there and we just called our agent we we're like we really want to go see this and so she did she posted it with no pictures and she underpriced it pretty badly and we said okay we'll give her asking we're not even going to not even going to try to negotiate on this i don't know if you remember this luke I do. so again it wasn't that we did all this crazy these crazy uh, strategies. We just waited for the right opportunity. And sometimes the right opportunity comes from somebody else making a mistake. And that happens all any day, any year, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, I Sorry. I remember okay. that the same way. Uh, there are some things about the career and the life that I do remember slightly differently than you, like the Smokies thing. I'll get into that. But um, I remember... Pulling up to like that the time house. you wouldn't take me to see Dolly Parton. Well, that's a good story. You're <laughs> um, uh, uh, <laughs> making a note about Dolly Parton. And, uh, uh, hold on. So uh, where was I? Because, uh, again, you know I have no memory if I don't write these things down. Um, <laughs> we pulled up to that house. It was a Sunday. I know it was a Sunday, and I think we just left. The, we were we were young <laughs> and partied and liked and lo just loved life and, and having a good time. And. I think we were at a brunch or something and uh, very, very social back then, no kids. And um, so the property popped up and it was right down the street from where we were hanging out, which was weird because, well, I guess it was halfway between our house because we lived out in the country. Anyway, we said that this, we had this agent who was a friend of a friend and he said, I can meet you over there right now. Uh, we said, okay, we're right around the corner. Let's go. It was just right place, right time. And we took action is really what it was. And we left that property. I remember pulling up to the property saying, we can't afford this. Went in, walked around it, loved it. It was a three, two and a half, uh, fairly, I mean, it was 16, 1700 square feet. That house completely changed our lives. I mean, again, it was right place, right time. Got a lot, very lucky. We had no idea we were getting lucky. Uh, never heard of Rich Dad, none of that stuff. But we walked out of that house and I said, we can't afford this. Um, but again, we were young. Um, that period of time, we would have just been married probably or getting right around yep, that time we got married, married. And, uh, and, and we had nothing to lose really. You know, we had a mortgage on our house, which was very minimal and I had a pretty decent day job and she had a decent job and was going to school. Um, decent meaning, you know, enough to get by. 
and uh, and we took action, you know, and we did, and we made it happen, and a lot of people wouldn't have done that, so I'm proud of us. Um, and uh, and again, we got lucky, we did get lucky, but make no mistake, a lot of hard work, you know. That's one thing that I think that you gloss over a little too much, um, is the fact that you do basically kill yourself all day every day to, yeah. <laughs> to have all this success um and uh you know that's important you know i think there's too many people on the internet saying buy two houses and quit your job and um it's just yeah, not the case it doesn't work like that yeah no, it doesn't work like that now you did i mean talk about that briefly you kind of did that but that's not well you know i did but i was making thirty-seven thousand dollars a year so that is much easier to replace than somebody who's making $75,000 a year, which, so I was on an abnormally low end of the pay, pay scale. So somebody who, you know, maybe wasn't just starting out in their career, maybe somebody who's, you know, been in the corporate world 10 years, their, their income is going to be harder to replace than mine was. Right. You were also young, no kids, none of that stuff. And uh, yeah, I had very little responsibility. Yeah interest rates were nothing. They were handing out these loans like crazy. Um, so, but, but again, hard work, there's no, there's no exception for hard work. We wait, we, we, and then it was almost like we got on a roll and we just started working harder and harder and harder and harder, you know, and I didn't quit my job until I had no choice. I think we had like well, 90 doors. Yeah. I mean, hard work is kind of, it's kind of like losing weight. It's hard to get in the rhythm, but then once you start seeing results, you get kind of addicted to it. Like, Oh, you know what? I am. It gets easier to avoid the candy bar when you're starting to see the scale go down. And it's the same thing with when you start seeing results from working hard, you work harder. And we definitely went down that path of probably working a little too hard, probably mm -hmm. still do. Too hard. I agree. Still, still doing that. We're working on that. Um, and we're doing a good job of working at it, but uh, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult, you know, especially... I don't want to say we're rags to riches, but pretty close to it, you know. So it's it's a uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting perspective, I suppose. So mm -hmm. uh, the Smokies thing, I do remember slightly different than you, um, and I think a lot of that might have to do with the uh, well, Jack Daniels might have been a factor. That's a joke, but um, you know, you you grew up going to the Smokies. You were familiar with it. I was not. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, never heard of it. Then I lived in New York for a million years, never heard of it, and. Um, we moved to Tennessee and then we started going there and it was beautiful. I knew it was beautiful and I like, it was cool. It was, it's a weird, I was like, this place is weird, you know, and if you've <laughs> never been to Pigeon Forge, it is weird. Uh, if, if you don't know what to expect. Um, and, and to me, you know, you, yes, we were trying to find cash flow, but to, I, in my brain, it was a bigger factor of, okay, this house we bought, we can't repeat this because the one across the street is now 200 grand. It's only going to rent for 1500 bucks. So it's not gonna make money. And where the hell are we going to get that down payment anyway? Um, 20% down and all this. So <laughs> to me, it was more location. Um, you know, I, I felt pretty confident that we could manage this short term from three hours away a little easier. Cause I was, and we'll get into that here in a second, the management stuff. Um, I, I felt myself shifting into the management role and, um, I, for, for whatever reason, I felt, um, more comfortable doing another rental from far away if there was no lease and no showings and things. Um, and, uh, and again, I do have a bit of a background in that anyway, when my dad was a hammer swinger and built the house uh, that he lives in now and he's a contractor on part-time and his dad was a 
full-time contractor and my uncle, and there's a lot of it in the family. I grew up, grew up around hammers and tape measures, you know? Um, so, um, the distance thing, uh, let's touch on that before we slide into management. Um, how much of a factor was that for you? And, 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 because a lot of people still, still to this day, can't get over the fact that, oh my God, how am I going to do this from a million miles away? Did you know there's actually a company that will help you find and purchase your first or next short-term rental? The Short-Term Shop is the premier short-term rental acquisition company. They have a team of realtors with tons of experience, and most of them actually own their own properties as well. They are the best in the business and would be happy to help you with your next purchase. You can find them at theshorttermshop.com, brokered by eXp theshorttermshop.com. So I'm kind of have the opposite problem of most people in that I will go do something that stretches myself way beyond my means and just figure it out as I go, which is has its own set of problems as opposed to saying, oh my gosh, how do I do this? How do I do this? I have to have everything like set up perfectly before I go. To me, done is better than perfect, which sometimes has, you know, it has its setbacks with the beginning of things being a little messy, but things get done around here. So, um, I, it never occurred to me that it wouldn't work, uh, doing it from a distance. I just said, we're going to, there's, I mean, we can do this. There's no way we can't like, how hard can it be? All we have to do is really like hire a few people, like a cleaner and a handyman, and then we can run everything else from, from the Airbnb app. We didn't, there weren't really even property management softwares back there. There might've been, but they were in their infancy if so. So it just never occurred to me that, that we wouldn't make it work. Okay. Interesting. Um, so did, <laughs> is, is there a factor that uh, you, I, I can just get Luke to do this for me kind of thing? Cause. Uh, well, no, because, because if you remember at first you were still working your full-time job and I just quit mine and it was supposed to be my job to manage the rentals. And oh, you, you had already quit. I don't remember that. Uh, well on the second, on the second one. Right. Um, okay. but no, but it was kind of my job to do it from the get go. And then you kind of took it over as I got busy with the real estate sales side of things. It was a natural evolution. We hear that question all the time, or I see it all the time where couples get involved and, um, and, uh, they, they have a difficult, time figuring out whose role is what. And it, it, we had a little bit of that, uh, but it all worked itself out pretty naturally. It was, it was just a natural evolution um, over a short period of time. And eventually I just slid into the whole role. And then we did, we did it the early days. We did kind of have a, uh, Luke's going to handle the, uh, uh, the ins and outs in the calendars and the, the, the uh, rehabs and the maintenance and Avery's going to handle the, uh, housekeepers. And I think you were maybe doing guest communication at the very early days. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually I, I do agree there. I think it was the fact that you just got so busy because you right in there, you got your license and people started calling asking how we were doing this and family members and things, mm -hmm. friends. And then your phone just never stopped ringing. And still to this day has never stopped ringing. Um, yeah. uh, just, and that's, again, it's, is that repeatable? No. In my perspective, that it, it, no, it's not repeatable because you have a natural talent. You really do. Uh, the I remember one of our very first uh, dates or whatever. You were uh, you were at my house. I don't know. I hope your dad doesn't listen to this. But you were on. We were on our, my couch. I remember that. And you said, "I think I want to get my real estate license." No, oh, that was way into the relationship. That was like several months in. I don't remember, but 
you know, we were kids really. And I was, I just looked at you and I was like, I don't even know what that means, but okay, cool. Let's do it. You know? And then it didn't happen until a few years later or years later. Um, but, uh, I think it was always in there and you're, you're, you don't give yourself enough credit, uh, which is good. It's good to be, you gotta be humble. Yeah. But, but again, I have an, a little bit of an outsider, even though I'm an insider perspective here, um, as to the fact that you are a, a machine, you know, this is not something that just anybody can go out and, and, and anyway, s- starting to feel like I'm kissing your ass a little too much, a little bit, uh, sorry. Um, but, uh, but management. So yeah, I guess it really was just as simple as that. Like you got so busy that Luke had to, and there was an element there where we were going back and forth and kind of, kind of getting after each other. Cause I'm, I used to be I'm much better than I, than I was back then. Not that nice uh, to people. Not Sometimes, courteous. Uh, you are not I, I courteous. Very Yankee <laughs> and fast and quick and just a little short tempered and things like that. And, uh, um, and there were times where I would just kind of snap at these guests a little bit and you didn't like that. And, uh, um, and you shouldn't, shouldn't like that uh, because you got to be <laughs> nice to these people, but eventually you had no choice. And I had to, I had no choice. I had to get better at that. And then eventually, of course, I hired that part of the job out anyway. But, uh, um, so as far as management was concerned, um, or, or uh, not even just management, but, but purchasing a home, we see it all the time where people, one spouse, let's talk about that. I guess one spouse. Okay. It wants to buy the house. The other spouse doesn't. Um, we get that constantly. I've, I've even thought about having a game show where we get both of these spouses on the show and, and ask questions and f- try and figure out how we can get them on the same page, like the love connection kind of thing. But uh, give me some uh, pointers for how to do that. Um, I don't really have any pointers for how to do that because even though we had our little like back and forths we were always on the same page that this is what we were going to do we're going to buy houses so there was no one of us got really into the idea of real estate investing and had to convince the other one to do it we were always kind of on the same page about that now so a lot of times you do stuff wrong and i have to tell you (laughs) i have to point it out but uh no i think i don't really have any advice on getting your your spouse on the same page with it like if you're if your spouse is really uncomfortable with getting a mortgage. I hear that one a lot. You know, they think that you should only pay cash for uh for investment properties and that's just like something that you kind of I mean, I don't have any any advice to you, Luke. I think that's just something you kind of have to work out with your your partner and just communicate, communicate, communicate cuz we didn't really have to have that discussion. Well, I don't. And I wish I did because it does come up all the time and I feel bad for people in that situation. But yeah, communicate, just sit them down, just say, Hey, you know, look at the benefits of this, read rich dad, you know, but if I guess my concern is what if you're in a situation where the other person is not even interested to the point where they don't want to read a book, you know, that would be a problem for me, which would be much bigger than just the real estate thing. I I don't know that I could associate, you know, I, I would have a problem being in a relationship with, with, you know what I mean? I probably wouldn't have found myself in that situation, I guess. Well, you didn't really like to read when we met. I did. I read uh, mostly fitness books, but uh, I remember one day you were like, you used to read so many books. And I was like, oh, crap, I better start reading more books. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I do remember saying that. I did read a lot of fitness books when we first met. And of course, I, re- I wrote a fitness book, but uh, but I was, I've always been a growth mindset guy, have I not? Yeah, yeah, you definitely, definitely. I don't know if you can teach that. I don't know if that's something that can be taught. That's what I'm concerned with. That's what I'm concerned. I'm concerned if you found yourself in a situation with somebody that has a scarcity mindset. No, that's not it, but that's close enough. I don't know. 
Um, uh, if you don't have the growth mindset, can it's, you know, I hate to say it, but do you just have to start hanging out with other people? Maybe, you know, um, so I mean, you can get there, I think, but it, it definitely is a mindset shift, which is difficult for a lot of people. Fixed. I Googled it. Oh. Fixed mindset. Oh, Carol, Dweck. Carol, Carol Dweck, she wrote the book called Mindset. It's fantastic. Also, I'm sure she got a little lucky to even have that title available, you know, <laughs> uh, but she is, uh, she's wonderful. She's a doctor. Anyway, get him to read Rich Dad, sit him down, communicate, talk to them about the importance. Of, and it is the mortgage. I think you're right. It, nine times out of 10, it's the, the debt and the mortgage and the, and the thinking like a, I hate to say it, but like a poor person. And the reason I say that is uh, yet another book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which completely changed my life. And in that book, he does constantly use the term poor and rich. Um, and, uh, and that book is, is if you're in a situation like that, where the person you're hanging out with in life uh, doesn't want to do things that make them successful, give them that book and make them read it. Yeah, he said... Rich people focus on opportunity, poor people focus on risk or something. I really wanted to put that as one of the headers of one of the chapters of my book, but Bigger Pocket said it sounded mean. So I had to change it to something else. Right. Yes. Yeah. Basically, poor people focus on the risk and rich people focus on the reward. I can't remember the yeah. exact quote. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. You're something I like think that. You're right. Uh, but it's um, true. It's 100% true. Yeah. And well, you got to think too. If you're somebody who's never thought about investing in real estate, your mortgage is your biggest thing in right. your whole life. It's like the biggest thing you've ever done, the biggest, scariest thing. And yeah, that's a big hump to get over. So I totally get that. Yes. And it's, uh, you know, like my folks, um, love them to death, but uh, we had to stop telling them three or four properties in because they, my dad, you know, they couldn't handle the fact that I had more than one mortgage because it was such a huge part of their life. Still is a huge part of their life. They're in their seventies. Um, and, and that's difficult to get over that. I read in a book one time, stop using your mom's soap. Uh, that was the line from the book. And that really hit home with me, you know, like, <laughs> Because at the time you were still making me buy that crappy, like uh yellow, what is it? Uh, the dial. Yeah. The dial. Yeah. Uh, I was going to call it Dawn, the yellow dial bar soap. Or Dove. Dove was one that is, well, you know, just a cheap bar soap or whatever. Um, but it's not about the soap. It's about, you know, uh, setting yourself free. Like you're finding yeah. a, a new life, a better life of your own. So if it takes... And really, I think it boils down to just getting getting yourself uncomfortable. You know, if you're if you if you yeah. if you want if you can't get away with from your mama's soap because it feels nice in your life, then you're just going to be stuck where, where you're at. And a lot of people are probably just happy with that. And, and unfortunately, uh, for us, we we were not. <laughs> and we have to get up and kill ourselves every day. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, you know, it's funny hearing these stories because that's really uh, I've come to that realization lately. We're just getting philosophical here that it's all just. A career is just stories. You know, I have people, I had somebody this morning on the, on the way from, to pick the, to take the kids to school, call me, ask me for some help on, on, with a guest. And, uh, I, I'm more than happy to take those calls. And, um, and, uh, I always just respond with stories. You know, uh, this is, you know, I had a similar thing happen to me. Uh, and this is what happened and this is how I handled it. And this is how I would have handled it if I had more experience or something like that. Um, and, and that's, I think that's a big part of it. Longevity for us now is getting, it's getting to the point where, you know, we're no longer imposters. 
So that's a re- really great feeling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, what's next? You know what I mean? I guess along those lines, like, uh, do, do you ever get to the point where you feel like you got enough? Um, I used to say no, but, and in the grand scheme of things, probably no. Um, if I think we're to a point in our investing career where we have enough doors that, yeah, we could go buy more doors and create more work for you and make more money, or we could start paying off a few and create more cash flow without extra work. So we're kind of trying to decide that, which I never thought would be a point that that we would get to. But even then, I can totally see myself if say, you know, we start paying things off, getting wanting to do something else, like buy a franchise or something, just because I've always got to be working on a a project. I had somebody last year ask me and in kind of like an accusatory tone, when will it be enough? And I'm like, it probably never, it probably never will. And that's why I'm an entrepreneur. And that's I because I, I'm never going to settle, uh, you know, and I don't feel like I should have to apologize for that. Um, but we are at the point with our, our real estate investing career where it might be the right thing to do to start paying some things off, get some interest off the table and um, and start increasing the cash flow just through that rather than adding more doors to create more management work. Yeah, which is a great feeling. And I'll be honest, nobody really talks about it. You know, nobody really talks about what's at the end of the tunnel, you know, or the end of the rainbow. Um, and, and I think the end of the rainbow is freaking happiness, you know, um, <laughs> uh, uh, and a family and love and happiness and, and enjoying the sunshine and things that we've not been able to do for 10 years, really. I mean, just little nuggets of it. Um, and, and it's all about systems as we, you know, this is just a conversation with Avery Carl here on short-term rental management, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's just, it's systems. We built a system of bank accounts to grow uh, into more properties. And let's not forget that Avery uh, was crushing it in her job. I also had a day job through most of this. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, you take all the properties cash flow and throw everything in the fire and hard work and hard work and hard work. And I do, you know, that, that profit first system that we, preach all the time, uh, which comes from Mike Michalowicz's book, Profit First, um, is, is going to come into play here as we start to maybe consider paying these things off and going back to the Ramsey way of doing life. Uh, I never thought that that would be a thing, but I do f- feel that that's maybe what's next. You know, people ask me what's next. Uh, of course it does. We have a lar- very large apartment building on the table right now. If that doesn't happen, we'll, we'll keep probably grinding until we get, you know, another one, same similar property, that kind of thing. But anyway, you know, I think we could, and I'll do another podcast on this another time, put implement that same system uh, that got us to where we are with a, these number of doors, the financial bank accounts and all the, the whole system. Uh, and we could, take that same system instead of using that money to buy, we just take that money and pay off the debt. Um, which sounds appealing to me as I'm in my almost mid forties now and you're still not, you know, I'm in my early mid thirties. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Not for long. But anyway, and the kids come into play of course, because they're number one, that's all that matters. And, uh, and I do, you know, I, I, there's not enough talk out there about happiness. Um, what? Why are we doing this? Why are we all these internet courses and all this stuff? You know, like 
uh, what's what's at the end of the it's, it's, what's at the end, and that's a happy life, you know. And um, um, I so I certainly know that mine's getting better every day. Um, so what's next for you? Um, what uh, what what keeps Avery ticking? Well, I have been enjoying planning vacations with these kids, and uh, we're leaving on one tomorrow to go on. <laughs> two layovers. I totally, you know, went a little nuts on the first airplane trip for the kids, but we're flying to Whitefish, Montana tomorrow uh, to let the kids do some, some snow stuff. And I really enjoy planning our uh, yearly motorhome trip. So really, I just want to hang out with the kids and I want them to understand that we like, don't just love them, that we enjoy them and that, you know, they were planned and we, we, you know, want to enjoy them and that we know not just like, Oh yeah, my parents have to love me because they're my parents. Like, no, my parents (laughs) wanted to spend time with me because they enjoy me. And I I want them to understand that. And um, so I think, you know, just hanging out with the kids, watching the kids do cool stuff. This is, this is their time. So. Yeah. And what about the brokerage you do have, you know, uh, let's not gloss over that. One of the bigger brokerages (laughs) in the the nation. Um, What, what is that like on a day-to-day basis? I mean, you know, as far as like, uh, crushing, crushing it, you know, you're crushing it. So, uh, how does that work? Um, I couldn't tell you <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> uh, we've gotten our systems down to the point where we can, everything is manageable. Uh, the past couple of years when everybody and their cat was getting a, a short-term rental and they were handing out loans for nothing. Like we, we couldn't get to everybody. Like we had to turn the phones off. People were getting mad at us cause we couldn't get to them. And now that that the economy has slowed down to a little bit more of a manageable pace. We can actually make sure that everything's working the way it needs to, that we're, and that all the clients are being served the way they need to be. And um, so I'm enjoying actually being able to work on things and not being, not having to just run around like a crazy person trying to just at least just answer the phone just to like touch everybody. Um, So it's really nice to be able to get the systems, you know, working how they're supposed to work and not just running around like a crazy person. So, yeah, and we're, we're also very grateful and, and lucky. We, again, we always seem to always be getting lucky. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we've, we've been able to surround ourselves with wonderful people. Yeah. Um, so grateful for that and, and the community that we've created with the short-term shop and, um, and everybody that's on the team and, uh, and, and the clients are, are wonderful. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, Again, I'm ass kissing over here, but uh, yeah. well, it is it is really rewarding when someone works with us and buys a house with us, and they come back, you know, a week, a month, a year later, and and say, you know, we made a difference for them. We made a difference in their life that they could not have, they wouldn't have pulled the trigger if they didn't have our help. Like that, that's really, really rewarding to be able to help people do. And it's not anything that's even that difficult. Like, but just say, hey, this is how we did it. This is how you do it. And just help them get over that little speed bump to get from point A to point B to where they can start doing the same thing for their families that we've been able to do for ours. So that's really, that's the best thing about the brokerage to me. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And uh, again, it is it's extremely difficult work. Uh, and I'm not even an agent. Never had, I've never had a license, never sold a house in my life, but um, involved with the management side of things and and have been lucky enough to, uh, you know, to be, be able to teach your clients how to do this and, and hopefully instill some uh, inspiration into them and, and, and let them know, hey, you can do this, you know, I mean, you can do it. But uh, I know your time is valuable, uh, but uh, do you have a uh, book uh, that you've been reading recently that uh, or, you know, just any time that, uh, that 
you want to recommend to us? Doesn't have to be your favorite book of all time, but maybe just something that comes to mind. Um, Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz, Traction by Gino Wickman. I also like, well, I mean, I like everything, but those are, those are the two big ones that have, and obviously rich dad, poor dad, like everybody and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, actually I just started a new book. I'm going to throw it out there. Why not? Unreasonable hospitality. Unreasonable Mm. hospitality. It's written by a, a gentleman by the name of Will uh, I, I can't pronounce his last name. He is a restaurant uh, manager owner in New York city. And he started with uh, nothing and uh, got his job uh, working to, like from a bus boy up to the top with his five star, uh, high end, super high end restaurants. Uh, I've been enjo- enjoying that. I, re- I started that in the middle of uh, my last marathon, uh, <laughs> in uh, Myrtle beach, fantastic vacation town. So I'll throw that one out there. Unreasonable hospitality. Uh, which obviously applies in the short-term space. So Avery, yep. thank you for your time. Anything you want to add yeah, on the way out? You. No, no, just uh, keep, you know, keep, keep running your race. Don't get caught up in what other people are doing. Run your race and uh, ready, fire, aim. Yes. So Luke, on behalf of Avery for short-term <laughs> rental management, saying don't overthink it. <laughs>